0: Chapter Sixteen of Joaquin, the Claude Duval of California. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Joaquin, the Claude Duval of California, or The Marauder of the Mines, a romance founded on truth by Henry L. Williams. Section sixteen. Valenzuela makes a capture by being his leader's namesake, the banker's mistress, Garcia comes in handy, the double surprise and the death of the go-between. The companions of the highwaymen were over in Hangtown while he stayed at Springs, keeping quiet after the failure to assassinate Mr. Fairgrove. Joaquin, Valenzuela, and Garcia, as a matter of course, went the rounds of the places of amusement, playing the games and making their faces a little known to the girls in the dance houses. We have shown sufficiently already, and will show still more clearly hereafter, how imprudent Garcia was, especially when liquor had reduced him to a less cool state of mind than natural. From this recklessness, the following true as tragic adventure arose. One evening as Valenzuela, alone, was strolling along, he noticed that he was followed by a stranger, all the stranger too, by it being a woman. Women were not so numerous nor safe up by the mines as to be out unattended after dark, for the robber not to notice this. But being a little inflated by drink as well as a vanity that it prompted, he twirled his mustache and beard, smiled, dark as it was, and slackened his pace. Then he turned abruptly and was on the woman before she could slip away, if she had so desired. But on the contrary, she came right up to him, smiling reassuringly. Señor, she said in bad Spanish, and in a low voice full of mystery, I know of a señorita, a real preciosita, who is sighing her heart out to see you close to. If you are brave enough, Bravest Joaquin, the gentleman of the highway,' added she with emphasis full of meaning, "'you won't be afraid to meet me under the tree, on that corner, at eight tomorrow night.'" Seeing that, only pausing to be sure that she had been understood the speaker was going to leave him, Valenzuela hastened to catch her by the arm, and thus withdrew a part of a reboso that hid her features. The deuce, muttered he, disappointed, and ceasing to lick his lips as he had begun to do. The face was that of a woman, as old as the hills and less attractive by far. I'm a stranger. I don't know the lady. Who is she? said the bandit. Let me go, senor. I must be back. Be satisfied with what I said. Will you come? A score of thoughts flashed upon him. His name, it was clear, and his handsome appearance, as he thought to himself, had made him be mistaken for his superior. Flattering, but if the lady of the rendezvous should turn out to be Madame Vigilance Committee, whew, so he hesitated. Sainted mother of heaven, cried the woman, who rapped out Spanish oaths better than she spoke more proper words. Can a young Mexican be a coward? Pshaw! There isn't a who wouldn't risk the noose for the beauty I speak for. I'll... do it, eh? And she went off, turning her head to show him her finger on her lips. Valenzuela watched her, now a shadow amid the shadows, then in the light streaming out of the saloons till she was gone. The confounded corruptress of virtuous youth, swore he in mock indignation. Cool as anything, that what next i wonder well it'll keep while i look into friend barcelona's and imagine his daughter the beauty the precious bait this old fisherwoman is trolling for me with he thought no more about the affair till next afternoon when he woke up after a drunken slumber he addressed himself for another nocturnal promenade while he called the appointment to mind if the place had been the city of mexico or Guamas, or even El Paso, Tubac, or Arispe, he would have let the pros very soon over the cons. As he hated reasoning, he settled the matter by drawing three or four coins out of his pocket and slapping them down on the table. The Mexican eagles, with their wriggling prizes of snakes, were uppermost on every piece. Goes the word, muttered he, The Libertad is very near Libertine. He proceeded to arm himself with a little more care than usual for, as he said, Spain, Mexico, California, countries where weapons are plenty, so that there are daggers in every girl's garter. At the time, he went out. The old woman was at the trysting place, and the two went on together. "'Garcia sat before a monte-table in Hannigan's saloon. "'At the first of the evening he had had great luck, "'but now he lost heavily, some upon some. "'At last Jack slowly got up, "'hesitated whether to upset the table "'and smash his chair on the heads of the crowd, "'did not do so fortunately, "'strode to the sideboard, "'took a glassful of some liquid preparation "'from the hands of a waiter.' and took it all down, ice and mint stalks, at two gulps like a whale engulfing sprats and squids. Then he moved towards the entrance slowly. He had not reached it before a slight tap on his elbow made him look around, or rather down, angrily, for he felt in the tearing humor. A crooked, dwarfed figure of about four foot six was beside him. He recognized the face and trunk, which was perfect as the bankers of the very table at which his funds had been converted into decidedly sinking ones as the dwarf had always been seated he had never noticed the malformation of his lower limbs which seemed to have been visited equally wickedly by different sprites for they were bandy twisted bowed shrivelled up and terminated in some peculiar sh- misshaping of the feet for the wadded boot was not at all of a natural shape. The three fingered Mexican observed all this, and therefore set down the maliciousness and imprisoned violence revealed on the countenance upturned to his to no evil meaning to him. Do you want to make up your loss? squealingly hissed the dwarf, working his fingers, as exquisitely shaped as a lady's, nervously. one would have thought they were a handful of snakes. Jack looked down and all over the speaker. I don't mind, said he readily. Steel recovers gold often, said the quilp of the green cloth in a hoarse tone, now for he was not master of his voice any more than a confirmed asthmatic. So they say, answered the bandit, most noncommittally, if there is such a word. The two looked at one another till their glances met into one of complete agreement. The gnome gambler drew the broken gamester aside and the two began whispering, their voices being past hearing even if they had shouted in that everlasting chorus of chinking coin, scuffling of feet, jingling of glasses, explosions of excited voices in oaths, yells or laughter. Some days passed. Joaquin, the chief, heard no bad tidings of his comrades, and concluded no news was good news. Garcia and Valenzuela slept off their night's libations during the morning, and had a little practice with cards in the afternoon. Perhaps were sailing out but separately now. The latter made excuses, which must have appeared for some reason comical to his friend, for he laughed heartily to himself as soon as Valenzuela's back was turned. Dark was coming on when Garcia and his employer, as the dwarf banker may be called, were closeted together in a little room behind the bar, where the staff of Hattian kept their out-of-doors habiliments. Well, growled the dwarf eagerly. There, answered the Mexican, producing a small box of enameled iron, very tastefully got up, and evidently a trinket case from some lady's dressing room. The large eyes of the little man seemed to swell into great globes of flame. "'Hers! hers! hers!' he repeated three times in as many variations of tone. "'His! his! his!' said Garcia, not actually mocking the speaker, though, whose touchy temperament he had learned no doubt by this time. With the utmost coolness he proceeded to open the casket, of which the lock had been broken already, and lift out a packet of letters. He untied a strip of satin binding them, divided the bundle into halves with provoking exactness, and while giving the banker one portion with his three-fingered hand, put the other into his open jacket's bosom. "'You know how to read,' began Garcia, half jesting. But the excited dwarf had scarcely glanced at the first of the notes, then the blood rushed into his face and filled the veins so fearfully that it really made his disproportioned head still larger. His eyes rolled under their brows in a way to remind those who have never had the misfortune to see it, of the fiery hull of a destroyed steamship rocking beneath an inky cloud on the still-tossing billows, that were changeful monuments over the loved, but the lost, gone down with the spars and life preservers that they were yet lashed to. His excessive redness was almost immediately blanched into a pallor quite as awful and unexpected. He had bitten his lips, or his tongue too, for a bloody froth came out over his beard and stained with a couple of drops the immaculate shirt-front "'in which glittered a wonderful diamond cluster pin, "'those two chief parts of a professional black-legs uniform. "'He's going to choke,' thought Garcia, "'and he was almost on the point of running out to the bar for water or brandy. "'But men do not swoon or suffocate so easily. "'Bitter pill, I know, but it's got to go down, "'and the sooner the better,' said Bandit Job's comforter, half aloud. The dwarf was in too great a fury to mind him. He leaped around the little room from side to side like some wounded animal, like a puma with shot broken leg, till getting more calm he stopped at the washstand on which was the light and began to read with a forced tranquility that was worse than the greatest violence would have been. He grew paler and paler, shuddered, started, seemed turned into stone. Tell as suddenly he would shiver when he came on some passage relating to himself, perhaps, as if the rouse of a Spanish horse-breaker's spur was plowing up his flesh. His lips quivered at times like the poor fellows who died on the isthmus with the fever and ague, before many another life of white and mongrel had been given to make that railroad which leaps past the deathful swamps and murderous woods. Then again, his lips would be drawn together till the least sound could not escape, and the mouth resembled those mute yet terrible old cannon that defy the rust in the ruined yet standing walls of Panama's defense. Garcia stood ready for a frightful outbreak, inwardly rejoicing, for he was just fiend enough to relish agony of this kind, but the dwarf only said hoarsely, I want the rest. All. Five hundred is the figure, remarked the bandit, rustling the letters he had pocketed. What bargain with me, began the dwarf, giving rein to his fury's steed. Give them up, or I'll... You'll what? Pooh, laughed the robber over him, eyeing him with some such a look as a wild bull elephant might give to a tiger cub. Meanwhile, the banker had checked himself and taken out a well-filled wallet from which he took a check. For six hundred and some cents on the express men of San Francisco, you can get it cashed at Sacramento, or anybody will buy it. When the Mexican had carefully folded up the paper and put it away, he handed the letters to his patron, who grasped them with his gaze too intently fastened on them "'to notice how greedily the bandit had regarded his wallet. "'The same, same thing,' muttered the dwarf, "'after having scanned a few of the notes. "'Love for him. Scorn. Worse. G. D. her. "'For me. Oh, I'll have her heart's blood. Never mind. "'Now hark ye, amigo,' continued he to the bandit. "'You are in the way to make your fortune, "'even as fortunes rate in this blessed land.' You kill this Joaquin and get the reward out for him, dead or alive. You have had considerable money already. Well, am I rating a woman's life too low at a thousand, say? Garcia looked as grave and calculating as a Babbage inventing a new machine or a Socrates smacking his lips over the hemlock. Considering all things, I'm agreeable, returned he, but no blood of hers is to be shed. No, no, none by you. I want that satisfaction, said the dwarf, growling and grinding his teeth, while his fingers resembled the twinning snakes once more. The bandit held out his hands over his hirer, as if he meant to strangle the latter himself, and worked his fingers in emulation of the other, till the four hands were uplifted "'as it were in burlesque by demons "'who had witnessed the oath of William Tell and his friends. "'Come along, then, since you understand,' said the dwarf, "'rolling along in advance out of the room, "'more like a tar on his sea legs than anybody else. "'Understand,' said his satellite, grinning. "'May I hang high if I don't? "'I knife Joaquin,' here he laughed queerly, "'and choke the, uh, woman while you slice her. Ha-ha and will attend to the pocketbook afterwards, added he to himself. Bleed bank and banker, that's rich. Meanwhile, the woman who was the main cause of all this was with her old serving woman. She was somewhat uneasy. What do you think of such goings-on, Lizzie, she asked. Mr. Walters never let a day go by without showing his hideous Tom Thumb figure here to me come, tell me what you think of it. I can only say, Miss Lowry, that he don't guess how handsome you look today, or, oh, away with such stuff. I might have lived in New York to this day, pampered with every kind of luxury, instead of being out in this rude and barbarous world, listening to a jargon about gulches and nuggets and pockets and claims, and the deuce knows what else. Then all I can say is that, Perhaps the imp, beg your pardon, has smelt a mice with the ugly nose on his monstrous face. Maybe he saw something yesterday that aroused his suspicions. Well, that was all your fault for falling asleep, Liz. But no, give the old fellow his due. He was in first-rate spirits yesterday, for which I give him credit. But I cannot bear the sight of him. Oh, my Mexican is so different. But I grow tired of all this medley of mixed wealth and beggary, of mixed luxury and privation, one day drinking champagne out of tin dippers, the next drinking common whiskey out of silver goblets. One day you are flattered, feasted, and caressed, the next in danger of your life from slashing bowie knives or flying bullets. You're introduced to a fellow dressed like a prince, with silver-mounted saddle and fingers flashing with diamonds, and a few hours after, his highness is dangling by the neck from a tree, thanks to the promptitude of Judge Lynch. Again, you meet with a man in a red shirt and pilot-cloth pants, with three years' beard on his cheek and chin, and not a single red in his pocket. You treat him with contempt and find that you have been snubbing a real gentleman by birth, education, manners, and worth. She was fair enough looking, was the woman who was giving utterance to these snatches of sense, and she gave other evidences of having been well reared and carefully educated in her faraway home. But alas, she had parted with all that native goodness of heart "'that she once possessed and was now sunk so low "'as to be the lemon of every adventurer. "'I was saying, what? "'Oh, yes, my monster was in good humor indeed. "'He promised me some jewelry, especially a necklace. "'But neither he nor it will be here tonight, I hope. "'But my love of a graceful, handsome, gallant bandit "'will be here. "'Hark! "'Oh, quick! Lizzie, run!' While the speaker, quite animated now, took one hurried look at the glass and then sank down on the sofa, which was the article of the room's furniture, in a tempting attitude so deeply studied as to seem natural, the servant was away like a rather slow-flying arrow. When she returned, she followed Senor Valenzuela, whose face was wreathed with smiles. The old woman took a last survey of the apartment "'exchanged a knowing glance with her mistress, and vanished. "'If the couple on whom she had just turned her back "'had not been full of themselves, "'they would have heard a suppressed sound "'and a faint scuffle in the passage, "'and afterwards a growl, "'which signified in Garcia's vocabulary, "'Valga the old hag, "'all but made me a two-fingered jack, "'with the one or two fangs she has left. "'Quiet, you venerable!' The ancient Camarista had run into the very arms of the bandit in waiting, and he had almost instantly reduced her to unconsciousness with the pressure round her throat of his vice-like hands. In the meantime, the lovers had billed and cooed. "'Oh, my dear love of a hero!' sighed Laura, as romantically as a girl of fifteen. When, oh, when are we to start for San Francisco in the States? I have plenty of money. You have as much, you assure me. Let us go there to enjoy ourselves. You can be a Spanish prince. You look it. Won't we lead a life of brilliancy? Theaters, moonlit drives, suppers, parties, all the balls, every mortal thing heart can desire. The siren looked very handsome. Her cheeks were suffused with something of the red blushes of her springtime. Her eyes danced and sparkled like brilliance, and her superb figure was set off with everything that could display it to the best advantage. She forced him away with a strength generally to be found in the perfectly formed, a strength which explained why the dwarf required his bravo to hold her "'while he should deal the blows. "'Joaquin, when we are aboard the steamer "'and the coast out of view, "'the slight small Mexican girls "'were before sufficiently beautiful in the robber's eyes. "'He had no other kind to contrast with them, "'so that this lovely woman, "'with her dark brown hair and dark eyes approaching jet, "'but of milk and roses complexion, "'with a stature equal to his, "'splendidly rounded,' subdued him so that he assented to everything. And all the while he, the lady killer, the man experienced in woman's wiles forsooth, did not dream that little was he to obtain from her, her sole intentions being to attract him to San Francisco, where she would coolly turn over the supposed Joaquin to the authorities. The reward would nicely pay her passage home, and fit her up in dresses and jewelry, was to make her the belle who always gets the best seat in the cabin, has the captain's telescope, books, and conversation, as well as the first help at the table and the wine of wines. "'And will not your little man, the tortilla, be in a dreadful state?' asked the robber. "'Oh, I suppose so. You ought to see him when he's mad, just like a devil.' He stamped around this room like a I-don't-know-what. "'Oh, he's awful at times. "'He's quite agreeable by contrast just now, though. "'He promised me no end of things, "'which he will have up from the city. "'He is rich enough and generous enough, that's true. "'Rich he ought to be. "'Why, I've lost several thousand at his very table,' said Valenzuela. "'Indeed, oh you gamblers, if you could only see my banker when he's in the humor "'and describes and mimics the faces of the losers and winners, "'he is impassable as, statue. as a statue, never winks as he draws the piles towards him "'or pushes them away. "'So I believe. "'Then we'll only be enjoying your own money again by taking his,' said Laura, "'with a smile that had nothing to do with her words,' but which was extremely bewitching, none less. "'That is very true, my girl,' said Valenzuela. "'Has he most of his money here, or does he send it to the States?' continued the robber, who was not so enthralled as to forget the chance there appeared to be of enriching himself with the gambler's hoarded wealth. "'Oh, he has any quantity of gold, in dust, nuggets, and coin, besides heaps of watches and rings,' which he loans money on to his customers when they get broke, as they frequently do, replied Laura. Is he not afraid of losing all this treasure? But this is dull talking, my girl, said the robber. True, true, said Laura, but I will soon surprise you. Surprise me in what manner? You shall see soon the present from my dwarf. The present? Yes, I'm promised a necklace of great value, but it hasn't come. Pardon, senorita, here it is, broke in a rude voice. The lover started up, and Valenzuela placed himself before the woman, his knife in hand. But he lowered its point almost instantly. Jack, he exclaimed at the height of surprise. Yes, Joaquin, returned the bandit. What brings you here of all in the world? I told you. Senorita, here's your necklace continued Jack, stretching out his hands most significantly. She recoiled. He laughed and began whispering to his comrade. Not a moment to be lost, cried the latter. Thereupon, pack up your valuables quickly. The banker has paid this man to help kill you and me. Come. Like one in a dream, the beauty caught up here and there an article, stuffed all into the first little box at hand, and while she robed herself, Valenzuela exchanged a few last words with his companion in crime. Then the robber, carrying the jewel box, and the woman ran out of the room, he coolly, she mechanically. Garcia followed them into the entry, but only to lift unseen the body of the stifled woman and lug it back into the bedroom. He flung it on the bed, covered it, tossed a silk scarf of gay colors on the face, and gave the body a severe pinch on the side, which, forcing an instinctive shrinking away, proved that Lizzie was not lifeless. Next, the robber remembered his trade and, after repairing the disorder caused in the room by the flight, pocketed whatever there was portable and valuable, flung a satisfied look over the place indulged in what seemed a sudden fit of madness in dancing about and kicking over a chair or two in the table, from which slid the candlestick to be extinguished on the floor. Then he pushed out the window and leant out. A black ball was beneath, having just escaped the fallen sash. Quick, said Jack, leaning out farther than ever till he caught hold of the dwarf's hands. The ladder was mounted on a gardener's wheelbarrow standing on which, on tiptoe, made him about a man's height. Most unceremoniously, in fact, with no more care than the vigilance committee's hangmen displayed when running their convicts up the pulley sheave and projecting beam of a grain loft, the Mexican pulled his employer clean through the window into the room. His haste was compelled by hearing a choking sob behind him from the bed, which he tokened Lizzie's coming to. He dropped the dwarf on the floor and crying, come, come, darted at the form just moving the coverlet. He arrived just in time to smother the woman's voice, for she had recovered consciousness and would have uttered a shrill scream only for Jack's iron grip. He merely let her have a breath just as an angler gives a fish play, and hauled her upon the floor, completely disguised by the whole of the sheets and counterpanes. "'Quick, sir,' said the wretch coolly. "'She's lively, and I cannot hold her.' The monstrosity gave full sweep to his rage. While the woman suffered for her mistress, groaning, attempting to shriek and writhing horribly, the dwarf plied the dagger, yelling, "'I'm a horrible, disgusting object. I'm worse than a snake.' I'm a reptile. I'm a despicable, hateful, crawling newt. I'm a wretch. I, I, ah. Go, shameful thing, to find your superior man of a lover. Is he dead, sir? If he ain't, he will be soon, returned Garcia, chuckling. She's a goner, anyhow, pursued he, unclasping his hands from the neck of the muffled woman, a corpse bleeding at fifty gashes now. Light up till I see them both, said the dwarf kneeling down by Lizzie, and while holding his blood-running blade in one closely clenched hand, he began unfolding the envelopes of the murdered one. At the same moment that three-fingered Jack tranquilly hunted up a candle and lit it, he heard the dwarf emit a dreadful howl. He had touched the face of the dead woman, and had naturally been amazed to feel wrinkles and roughness, "'in lieu of Laura's matchless soft and even flesh. "'His hair stood on end like a vulture's neck feathers, "'and he leaped up and snatched away the candle "'from the grinning desperado. "'Hellfire! It's the old jade?' "'So it is,' said Three-Fingered Jack "'as tranquilly as possible. "'The dwarf turned on him "'and brandished his blood-streaked dagger. "'Are you false? Where's the dead man?' In your shoes, you fool! roared the Mexican, whose knife was already out. The candle was flung in his face as the dwarf followed it in a spring at the bandit's throat. In the dark, the struggle went on. Suddenly, as many as twenty shots rang out, and a shout went up in the same place outside the house Joaquin, the robber! Fire! Fire on him! The devil explained Garcia, half-rising and kneeling on the conquered dwarf while he searched him. It was time to finish the little hunchback with a bone of steel in his throat. I've the money anyhow. He kicked the dwarf upon the other body and listened. The sounds in the street continued but went away from the house. All right, Valenzuela clear. I hope with the booty. Good night, loving couple, concluded he laughing as he backed out of the room, casting a farewell look on the two bodies horribly seeming to embrace one another. When Valenzuela and his beautiful charge made for the front door, they did not progress as fast as they should. Their emotions, more than the difficulty of advancing in the dark, had delayed them. Before sailing out, the robber thought to quiet his companion with a warm salute and a cheering word or two. This occupation was so pleasant that his caution was so lulled, and he did not hear the following low-spoken sentences without. "'S'pose it tain't," said one man, of nearly a dozen who stood in the street beside the door of the house. "'Oh, shut up, old careful. I tell you it was Three-Finger Jack who went up in there and that proves the old woman is not lying. Joaquin must be in. So use your shooters, I say. You can't hit an honest man in their society. I guess not. Shh. Ready, boys? The instant Valenzuela opened the door and stepped out, three or four pair of hands lunged at him, and they got a good hold of him before he could shake off his surprise. He struggled then, but to shake off their grasp, was a less easy feat. Furious at having fallen so blindly into a trap, he fought as only a madman might have been expected to, or a sane man whose head was doomed to the halter. He bit, struck, kicked, butted, and plunged about in the ring of the dozen men who had already secured his weapons. Give in, you dod-rotted gopher. The woman sold you. She the bee... No, no, screamed Laura, who had seen all this occur in a twinkling while unseen herself and nailed to the spot by surprise and terror. And I'll prove I was true to you, Joaquin. When a man lies dying of wound or illness, the woman who little liked him before has been known to love him then, when he, unthought of before, has been about to perish The woman has suddenly been exalted from a passing whim to a do-all, dare-all passion. So with Laura. Gay woman as she was, who had determined secretly to sell her plaything for blood money when it should become tiresome, yet here, with her own idea embodied under her eyes, she hated the too truthful assertion in one sense, though unfounded in another. Like a lioness she burst into the center of the group and frantically smote and tore at the faces of the men. Their astonishment aided her purpose, and panting, bleeding a little, exhausted for the moment, Valenzuela stood comparatively free. He caught his breath instantly and wrenched himself from the hands yet on him. True, they were benumbed by the very tenacity of their hold. Then, as if winged, Ignobly forgetting her who had dashed in to save him, he sped up the street towards the end from which no one was running up, as there was from the other. Out flashed all the firearms, and the whole group hurried after him, scarcely seeing such was their desire to secure quote unquote, Joaquin that Laura ran amongst them, striking aside this weapon and that as she saw them levelled at the fugitive. She felt her strength failing her. She made a great effort, for all the men had stopped for the same fatal purpose and darted in advance of them. She flung herself straight in front of all the barrels and opened her arms to embrace their missiles, like Winkle sweeping in the tyrant's spears. A rattle of twelve to twenty shots was followed by a mocking cheer from the fugitive bandit vanishing unhurt and by a many-voiced ejaculation from the marksmen as the smoke curled upwards and showed them a white figure spotted with red blots growing larger momentarily stretched on the ground at their feet what's the news fellas said the newcomer from down the river as he slung his leg over his horse's neck and dismounted to saunter into the first saloon next morning news the hugest thing yet "'What do you take?' asked the bartender, who was missing his own morning call. "'The black bottle, you know. Quit your joking, Joe.' "'Why, you know Shorty, the twistified banker of Hannigan's? "'I should think it. The side show walk-in, ladies and gentlemen, "'and see the smallest living man in the world, as I, Allers, said he was. "'Many's the slug his table swallowed of mine. "'Somebody's letted him for thumbing a jack?' Oh, no, Steele, why Joaquin and Three-Fingered Jack had their gang in town last night about eleven, broke into the dwarf's house, where he'd been keeping an all-fired beauty that would make Lola dim beside her, a rosebud in full bloom, and a little more, they say, knifed him and a cook and an old woman, had a fight with a crowd of volunteers and Constable Talbert, and got off on the Diamond Springs Road safe only that the beauty was shot in a dozen places. Go down to the courthouse, and some of the boys you know will let you see her. Worth it, I tell you, though I ain't been. And this is the story which we have truly told. End of chapter 16